0: Welcome, everyone, to the Modern Day Overthinker podcast. My name is Colin, and I'm your host. This week's episode is with Lauren Rosen. She is a licensed therapist located in California. She's also an advocate online on Instagram. I will make sure to tag all of her links in the description of this podcast. We talked a lot about obsessive compulsive disorder as well as anxiety disorder disorders in general and our experience with sobriety. She also has experience with eating disorders and she sees a lot of patients for that as well. And she taught me about a new method for OCD that I didn't know about called ACT or Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And uh, I did not know about that. So that was awesome to learn. It's always good to learn new things. And I learned a lot from this podcast and I also opened up about my OCD and what I've struggled with, and something that almost took me out. I literally wanted to take my life at one point because of this. So if you have any questions for me about it or are confused and did not know this about me or have questions about it in general, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to talk about it, love to answer it. This is the first time, I'm shaking, my voice is shaking right now, that I have shared about this on my podcast So I want everyone to know that it gives me a lot of anxiety, but I had to do it because somebody else, somebody else out there, somebody else out there is going to hear this and they're going to be glad that I did. That's all I'm going to say. So let's get right into the episode with Lauren Rosen.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. And so I kind of want to start out by letting I let all the guests introduce themselves uh rather than doing this big I'll do a little intro before after we record, but uh yeah, I don't want to butcher your name either, so I will just say this is Lauren and you can introduce <laughs> yourself so I don't have to try to butcher your last name because it could No, help- that's- one of two ways, so.
1: Fair enough. Well, so uh, I'm Lauren Rosen. I, I was McMeekin up until, gosh, maybe a year ago when I oh, got okay. married. So um, awesome. that's one of my middle names now, but uh, yeah, which was way harder to pronounce for everybody involved, but mm-hmm. um so I'm Lauren Rosen. I'm a, a licensed therapist. I am the director of the Center for the Obsessive Mind, and we're an outpatient clinic specializing in treating OCD, anxiety disorders, eating disorders. And I'm based in Southern California, though I treat people in a fair amount of states now, actually. I'm a, I work in, with people in Florida, Utah, uh, Nevada. Nevada, 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 potato and Nevada. Potato. Nevada. Yeah, it's particular. Uh, <laughs> and I, uh, hopefully, I'm hoping soon, Oregon. So, awesome. yeah. Um, other than that, I am on Instagram. I do a fair amount of, of advocacy work on social media. Yeah, you for... do a
0: lot of lives. You, I, I need to catch up with you on the lives. I'm not good with doing lives at all. <sighs>
1: Well, we record our podcast purely OCD live on Instagram so that people can interact. Which and so that's yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. My, so that's my podcast that I co-host with my colleague and best friend, Kelly Franke, uh, who's also a licensed psychotherapist. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of me. I, you know, I, I work with people, I write sometimes. I, uh, I I'm a podcaster now and, how long um, have I you been really, doing the podcast? Uh, gosh, since 2020, actually. Pandemic. It's so, perfectly. pandemic
0: influenced a lot Pand- of podcasts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pandemic podcast, I guess. Um, and in addition to that, it probably is, is worth mentioning I'm pretty open about this on the podcast and generally that I, in addition to treating the disorders that I do, uh, I am in recovery from OCD. I, uh, so I, I was diagnosed with and treated for OCD in 2010 after probably 17 years of having it undiagnosed uh, mm. in retrospect. And, and then I also, I got sober in 2005. I know that's something that we, we talked about, I think when yeah. we had our Instagram live. Um, so been sober for a hot minute now. Um, and yeah, yeah. And then I, I also am in recovery from an eating disorder as well. So, you know, that was back in 08 that I really started my, my recovery from an eating disorder journey in earnest, although uh, they're all a you know, I don't think it's like, Oh yeah. and now you're done because you live with your thoughts and it's not like years of the way that your mind works changes overnight. Just doesn't happen, so that's
0: why I never say I'm recovered from anything. It's recovering, yeah, it's it's very crucial to use that wording. I think,
1: personally, I yeah, that's certainly true of my experience as well. Yeah,
0: I've heard people say that. Well, I don't really hear it about OCD because, but I hear it from alcoholics, addicts, whatever you want to call it. Mm Uh, and they I've heard people say, yeah, I'm recovered. I'm a recovered alcoholic. I'm like, all right. I mean, if that works for you, uh hey. it's not not me, but
1: to, to each their own, you know, and that's I, yeah. Cause there are people within the eating disorder, recover, uh, in reading disorder community who talk about being recovered as well. And that's just never a term that's resonated for me. It's not like, and I think it's important to acknowledge that that's not to say that I haven't made great strides in my relationship oh, yeah, of course. these things are totally different. And the reality is, I haven't, I rarely have a craving for alcohol, rarely, and I have no intention of of drinking these days. And, you know, I I have a totally different relationship with food and with my thoughts related to body and, and with my body. And I also have a totally different relationship with my thoughts and feelings related to my OCD, my intrusive thoughts, my anxiety. Um, you know, so it's, it, Recovering, I agree, is p- important from the vantage point that it's a pra- it's almost a practice, right? You get up and you live your life and you practice responding differently to these these things, mm-hmm. these desires, these thoughts, these feelings. Um, but I don't I don't know that there's an arrival point from my vantage point.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's definitely big like accomplishments, and you know. Mm-hmm. Strides that have been made and obviously progress that has been made, but yeah, to say I'm done, I'm good, yeah, doesn't work for me. And also, that's I, I feel like to me, me saying that will open up Pandora's box again, and something mm-hmm. I'll do something stupid. I, yeah, I, just, I, I have that awareness now that I didn't have before because I've been yeah. With when it comes to OCD, I've been working on OCD on and off, more so on the last few years, but uh, I was diagnosed when I was four, 13, 14, and I'm 32 now. So, you know, over half my life, I've known I have OCD. And uh, whether on, mo- I've been on medication most of the time, but as far as working on it, it's been off and on. And I never really, uh challenged it as much as I have until like the last couple of years mm. and that came after I was you know done self-medicating myself uh for many many years and yeah. on top of the medication that I was supposed to be taking which probably wasn't working because I was doing all this other stuff with my brain uh yeah. and so yeah I can com- went completely off uh Everything and I always have to explain to people, like because uh when I tell people like, like some of my newer friends that aren't in recovery, because a lot of my friends are in recovery, but uh from substance abuse in general, I have to remind them that you know I don't do any mind-altering drugs that includes weed. Okay. Yeah. Don't, get, don't offer me weed. I don't do I don't do that. <laughs> I get it, but it's more like uh you know and it's more casual it's legal so is alcohol so just don't yeah, yeah i can't do it it's not something i can do responsibly as far as i know based on my track record no yeah. thank you. i mean it's not the thing that took me down but still it's not i don't want that in my life and it's yeah um I have to explain that to people. Cause they're like, you don't even do this. And it's like, no, no, I don't. no, none of it.
1: I, I I'm with you. I I'm of the mind that I have no desire to figure out whether or not I have that capacity these days. And yeah,
0: I'm just like, I'm, like, I'm good. I've seen enough, like good things happen, not doing it that mm-hmm. I'm just like, why?
1: Yeah. Yep. I mean, I get it and and it's not yeah. like I said, it's rare that I have a craving these days. And at the same token, there aren't it's not to say there aren't moments where I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to yeah. you know, have it, but it it just it's not worth it from my vantage point to risk everything that I've built as a result of of not, you know, in this life of not drinking that or using substances of yeah. you know. I- I had
0: the convenience of living in Iowa where it's still illegal. So I, yeah. got that. <laughs> I have that extra thing. But also I live on the border of Iowa and Illinois. I could literally cross the bridge and buy weed legally and then cross the bridge and get arrested for it. It's so funny to me.
1: That is uh, funny.
0: It's definitely a, a working joke for sure. I'm, I tell a lot <laughs> of jokes about when it comes to stand up, I talk about drug use and stuff, but I don't i Can't put a lot of that online because I have to keep my job. So uh
1: yes, sure, yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, it's like I'm just joking. I don't use never <laughs> use never use drugs in my life. So yeah, any of my work people are listening, which some yeah. do.
1: but
0: most <laughs> of most yeah. of them know I'm in recovery. Like I work for a company that's pretty open about being yourself and who you really are, and you know that's part of my story. I mean. I wouldn't be working for this company if I didn't, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, get my shit together because I I was a mess for a long time and I wouldn't even apply for this job because I was, I would have been afraid to take a drug test, but then they didn't didn't drug test me. And I was like, what? I was so (laughs) mad. I was so upset.
1: (laughs) You're like, I would have, I would have passed.
0: I would have passed. I wouldn't have to worry about it this time. Nope. You know that's you still
1: like, didn't have to worry about it though. That was nice. No, I
0: didn't. I was like, Oh, yeah. we have an office in Denver. Now I know why. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's like the running joke, but
1: that's
0: funny. Funny. But yeah, uh, when it comes to OCD and yourself, is there a certain like subtype that you fall under? Because that's what I talked. I talked to Jenna earlier and we were talking a little bit about subtypes and because not a lot of people understand the different subtypes of OCD. Mm. Yeah. Um, is there a certain one that you're that you fall under or that you've dealt with more?
1: You know, I over the course of my life, or I've watched it my it well, it has over time. I think it it grabs on and latches on to different things in different moments. Um so I can say when I was young, like when I was six or seven, when it first started, it was very much existential. And there were lots of thoughts like, "Oh my gosh!" But what, what if I don't? What if I don't go to heaven? But then, what if I do go to heaven and then I don't like it? When and what? What if? Like, eternity is a really long time. So, what if I'm not happy in eternity and there's nothing I can do about it?
0: Thinking seven-year-old.
1: Yeah, my parents were like, "I have no idea what to tell you." Like, (laughs) um. (laughs) And so, the, so you know, I don't know that how to
0: was, answer that question.
1: That's a yeah. good question. I, yeah, then I, but you know, it's interesting. I, so I didn't get treatment. Like I said, I didn't get diagnosed until I was in my twenties and I, I don't, I don't know how, but I found a lovely therapist who was not specialized to my knowledge in OCD who helped mm-hmm. me to tolerate And accept uncertainty around it, um, which was a game changer for me with that. But then that went away and then, you know, it latched onto all sorts of things. And I I think I've noticed that my anxiety will just hook in, has has hooked into all these different things throughout my life. And we might, from, from a clinical perspective, if I were to look at myself, not that I can objectively, but if I were... I would notice that, okay, well, at sometimes it was more of a social anxiety than anything. And then it would sort of transition and I have anxiety about my body mm-hmm. and how I looked and how other people were thinking about me, which you can see like there's even some melding in with the social anxiety and the eating disorder, um, yeah. because it wasn't just the body piece, but it was then I would start to manage and control my food in ways that weren't helpful and that were, you know, that made me very sick. Uh, then,
0: So working against each other kind of thing.
1: Oh, what in terms of the anxiety?
0: Yeah. The anxiety and the eating disorder and everything just working all against you kind of. Well,
1: exactly. And I, I think actually the, the marriage of the anxiety about my body Mm. and the response of restricting food, uh, purging, that kind of thing. Yeah. It makes totals. It's like, it's it's very similar in many ways to a compulsion. It's a way to try and manage and control your discomfort yeah. around the possibility of what your body's going to look like. And so I, I've just, like I said, I've watched it hop from thing to thing to thing throughout my life. And while from, you know, from a DSM perspective, we wouldn't say that that's all the same thing. I, I tend to see it as different permutations of of a general tendency toward being anxious, right? Like I, I, and in fact, I talk about this, I've talked about this on the pod, on our podcast on purely OCD too. I think my brain works a certain way. And I think that it, and it's interesting because today in our community, somebody, Right. We were talking about it before we came on. Somebody mm-hmm. came out and said, like, here are the benefits of having OCD. And this is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's like, oh, it's good to have OCD because you're going to be super organized. No. That being said, I think of OCD as a problem solving mechanism gone horribly awry. Because you're basically you start trying to solve problems that are not problems and that have no solution. So if i have a thought like i did at 7 of like well what if i don't like eternity that's a really long time well especially with that yeah. there is absolutely no solution to that and there's no Zero. answer to it so wow. uh, so my brain i was constantly trying to resolve it because i was very good at problem solving i was smart i did well in school The problem was that I was applying this technique that served me so well on so many aspects of my life to something uh, that it was never going to work with. I was never going to be able to resolve the fact that I felt anxious or that there was this uncertainty that just was floating out there and that still is, frankly.
0: Yeah, you're kind of a young philosopher too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that yeah. is a question that you cannot answer. And that's just only going to make you anxious trying to answer it.
1: Right. And to different degrees, that's all of anxiety, OCD. You know, oh, yeah. you take something like social anxiety. What if, what if, you, what if. You can't know whether or not somebody likes you. Even if they tell you they like you, you can't know it. Right. Because you can never be on the inside of somebody else's head. Yeah. And you can't know whether or not you're going to have a panic attack just doesn't like there's no possibility and you can't control the feelings of panic either so you know or if you have uh obsessions about sexual orientation right like talk about a nebulous topic that most of us fall on a spectrum of rather than into these black and white categories that that those of us with anxiety and ocd tend to be such fans of like let just i just want to put it into a box right i want to I want to have an answer for it. It's just most of life. Isn't that clear? Um, and I think that's true of, of most anxiety disorders is like, I just want like a definitive answer. I want to know for sure. And yeah, good luck.
0: Yeah. Getting that hundred percent is mm-hmm. pretty impossible and you just have to accept it. Yeah. And it's tough. Easier way easier said than done.
1: For sure. It is. And yet I will say that the trying to figure it out is not easy either. No. And so, yes, easier said than done to disengage, to drop the attempts to resolve the uncertainty and to get rid of the anxiety that came along with it. But it's also really, really difficult to try to get the the resolution. And so if you're going to do something, if you're going to work hard at something, you might as well work hard at the challenge that's going to get you into a, a life that you want more.
0: Which are you, a a, um, advocate for ERP then?
1: Yes. 100%. I am yeah. an advocate for ERP. I'm also an advocate for acceptance and commitment therapy. And that's a big part of the work that I do. That one which I is... don't
0: know a lot about, so tell us a little bit about that. Cause I know a lot about ERP. So <laughs> yeah, i I've done it and, and I've talked to me and Janet talked about it a lot earlier too. So, yeah, love to hear about other techniques as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, acceptance and commitment therapy is another evidence-based treatment for OCD, and it's it, you know it's often within the community used as an adjunct to ERP. Yeah, They've, addition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, the two are they work well, really well together. So. Mm-hmm essentially, from an act perspective, we get in, it's very mindfulness based. So we get into trouble because we're trying to manage and control our thoughts and feelings. And so we do all of these behaviors that they call them control strategies uh, to try to alleviate the discomfort or, you know, whatever feelings you don't want or the thoughts that you don't want. And all of these behaviors take us further and further away from the things that we care about.
0: Yeah.
1: Like the, the kind of people that we want to leave be the kind of lives that we want to lead. And so act. So it stands for acceptance and commitment therapy. It's acceptance of all of it's in many ways, very similar to in 12 step, the serenity prayer it's accepting what you can't change, changing what you can and knowing the difference between those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, so often we enact, there's this practice of cognitive diffusion. So the ability to see that you are not your thoughts, you are the, the objective observer of your thoughts, like, oh, look, there's a thought, which is all mindfulness, but they have some fun exercises that are really helpful in getting that distance. So like singing your thought to the tune of a song, for instance, is a, a diffusion exercise. I personally okay. like to use Miley Cyrus's "Wrecking Ball" as much as is humanly possible because it's just it's fantastic for such uh, undertakings.
0: Yeah, that song is so catchy. I, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's like an it.
1: almost yodel uh, like that happens. Like the, mm, mm, mm. it's just it's enjoyable, yeah. and it like it make it can't help but make me laugh a little bit. but like really. Yeah. Um, which helps with diffusion. Um acceptance is one of the core principles, not surprising given the the name of the therapy.
0: Mm-hmm. The idea
1: of self as context. So the idea that that you are the the space in which all of these thoughts and feelings and urges and sensations are happening. So um, and that you're sort of looking Stephen Hayes, who's one of the forefathers of ACT, has this quote that I love that says, you are large enough to contain all of your experiences, which I love. Yeah. Because I think we're so... It is, isn't it? Um, So we're so afraid that there's going to be this thing that we can't experience that's too much for us, I think. A lot of people with anxiety, myself included, have fallen into that category or with depression. So... The, yeah, the idea is that we're sort of, we're the, the space in which things are are happening. Uh, There are tools like, uh, so basically there's a skill set called expansion where you open to your feelings instead of sort of wincing and shutting down and and you breathe in, you make space for your feelings instead of Mm -hmm. trying to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, And then a lot of work around values. What, what kind of a person do I want to be in any given set of circumstances independent of what the externals are in in any circumstance it's it's who do I want to be how do I want to show up what qualities this is values do I want to embody and keeping those at the forefront and letting those guide the committed actions that you want to be taking
0: okay yeah that's a new one I haven't really heard about that uh which is great because i was i've heard so much about erp which is great and i didn't know there was a another proven method that helps with erp and then i, I like that they work together because uh i know many people say if you just use this and not erp that you, you would probably get uh outlawed from the community if you said something like
1: that well, I don't know about outlawed i think yeah. that, but I do think that the community is very invested in in evidence based practices, which I really appreciate yeah. as somebody who was in therapy for a long long time without getting the help that I needed um but no i like I agree it, there needs to be diversity in terms of what skills oh, of we can offer and um an act i I personally and professionally find it to be very helpful and I think the real difference, it's interesting. So there's the inhibitory learning model of OCD. I don't know how much you know, know about much. this. I'll try to like make it as like not technical and obnoxious as possible. Um, but I think the idea is that for a long, long time, the the world of uh, you know OCD treatment, of behavioral treatment, uh, especially ERP, was based on this idea of habituation, which it's true, right? If you continue to face something over and over again, generally your anxiety around it is going to go down. Right. We habituate to things. And yeah. it, you know, it actually happens interestingly enough with foods too, right? If you're allowed to have whatever food you want, and let's say you're you're eating pizza every night for for 30 days you're going to like the pizza more probably on night one than you are on night 30, right? Like, cause you're going to get used to it. It's just going to sort of. Yeah. Not be as interesting. So that was the, the emphasis and not that, not that it doesn't happen. Habituation does, like I said, happen. That being said, a lot of people put the emphasis on habituation and, in so doing, I think a lot of people thought, oh my gosh, well, if, I'm not, if my anxiety is not going away, I'm not getting better. And that yeah. emphasis on my anxiety has to go away in order for me to be okay, I think is very limiting, mm-hmm. especially because it does tend to hop around from theme to theme to theme. And so if you've gotten a sense of wellness related to one thing, then something else pops up and you're going to get anxious about that. And then it's like, well, now I'm screwed. So I think instead of the emphasis being on let's, let's do exposure to each individual thing and habituate to every trigger that exists, which isn't really, it's not efficient because
0: not practical.
1: No. I mean, most people with OCD can tell you that like they could be triggered by very random things, like just walking by a place where they've. Previously, been in in an anxiety spike can be yeah. a trigger. So, um, I think the emphasis within the inhibitory learning model has has shifted, and it's it's more of a theoretical lens that the community has tended to prioritize in in recent years. And the the emphasis is on distress tolerance rather than habituation. So, how can we get? Better at feeling our feelings rather than how can we make our feelings go away. Uh, And then the inhibitory learning model talks a lot about how how we learn and how we can support people in learning through ERP. So uh, they talk about the fact that when we're surprised, we learn better. And so consolidating learning in moments where somebody does something that they didn't think that they were capable of is really important and helps to to sort of implant that in their minds. And also informs the fact that we're not necessarily as focused on doing exposures gradually these days, where it's like, I'm going to do a level three exposure, and then I'll work up to four, five, six, seven, that it's like, you can do a three and then do an eight. And that actually helps to support learning more as well. And that surprise factor is part of that, too. So there are a lot, lots of interesting elements of inhibitory learning. But the idea is not that you Get used to it that the anxiety goes away. Per se, it's that you develop other associations with the things that with the triggers, uh, and it has this emphasis on distress tolerance, which kind of do- dovetails into acceptance and commitment therapy, where the 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 total emphasis is on distress tolerance, and the the aim is not to get rid of any feelings. In fact, the getting rid of the feelings is the problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can't just. Delete feelings. It doesn't work that
1: mm-hmm. way. No, in fact, but that's the thing, right? Like this goes back to the problem so what we want to do. Yeah, right. Yeah, is like, oh, I want to get rid of this feeling, but that's exactly what gets most people to treatment. Is
0: accepting the feeling?
1: No, it's try like most people come to treatment because they've been trying so hard oh, to get rid of the oh, feeling. That's
0: what gets them to the treatment. Okay, that's yeah, I, yeah. I you. Yeah, okay.
1: No, yeah. Does that make sense though?
0: Yeah, that does make sense. Uh
1: yeah.
0: Definitely definitely learn a lot here. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you uh is you know, as far as the well, first of all, how I didn't ask you this at the beginning, how long have you been in the in the therapy game practicing?
1: So uh I have been working as a therapist since 2005. Fifteen, so I guess going on almost eight. Yeah, yeah, almost eight years. That's awesome. Um, Of course, there's a a long process of getting licensed uh, that you're probably aware of, since you've talked to lots of therapists.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard, and that's it's made me uh, a little bit scared to do it myself. Uh, Yeah, not scared, but like just like jumping through all the hoops and things like that. Yeah, and I'm an impatient person. So that doesn't help either.
1: Yeah, fair sure enough.
0: And uh yeah, and I have this weird uh relationship when it comes to school. So but mm. also when I was in school last time school wasn't the main focus. So
1: yeah, there is that. Yeah. 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 So it's
0: a little different. And I, but I've also been in the quote unquote, real world for a while working and it's like, I really want to become a student again it's I don't know it's it's an idea and it's something that I'm thinking about and I I'm just kind of like leaving it up, for lack of a you know it's and, and as being in recovery you know like just leaving it up to my higher power just letting it go and yeah. seeing what happens and not trying to push it and I, th- I know it's something I want to do I just don't know when yet
1: well, that's so. cool yeah
0: yeah. I'm Not trying to rush it. So, yeah. And I have a decent, uh, like I said, I have a decent job. I make a decent living now and I'm good at what I do. I'm comfortable where I'm at for the most part. So. Yeah. It's like, and I'm also doing other things, uh, like a, with the comedy stuff and that's an, another thing where it's like, the more I've done it, And the more I do it, the easier it is for me to do. Uh, There's less fear behind it. Uh, And people have noticed that. Uh, They're like, you look really comfortable on stage. I'm like, I'm still pretty uncomfortable, but uh, you can't really tell as much. Yeah. Uh, Well, you're
1: better at feeling your discomfort, right?
0: Exactly. It's like, I know this is going to happen. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point where I'm just like, you know what? I don't really care. And the less I care, the better it goes. And the the less I try to like really over-prepare like my jokes and stuff. And like, you got to say this, you got to say that. Or if I try to like read off of a cheat sheet or something, then it doesn't turn out as well. And I've just been learning that and adapting Mm. and, um, but yeah, comedy itself has been very therapeutic for me and like really helped me with fear and, uh, facing my challenges with OCD because I've had a lot of, uh, I've noticed it more recently where like, I'll want to do a compulsion. I'm just like, no, it's not doing that.
1: <laughs> nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm good. <laughs> it's
0: not happening though
1: yeah (laughs) thanks for the invitation (laughs)
0: i'm not entertaining this i'm just going i'm done i don't care what happens and i know nothing's probably going to happen because my logical brain knows that but then there's the other ocd brain because like that's a good way i like to describe it and i know other Mm. people describe that way you have the logical brain then you have your ocd brain which you're Mm. And sometimes the OCD brand takes over depending on how you're feeling. Like I know when I'm in more stressful situations, uh my OCD tends to take over a little bit more and I give in to compulsions a little bit easier, but sometimes well, it's
1: interesting. It, Sorry, go ahead. Sometimes, sometimes.
0: It, sometimes it's the opposite. Like sometimes I'm just really, t- really tired, excuse me. And I'm just like, no, I, I'm too tired. I don't want to deal with this. Like, you
1: know, like It's interesting though. way, like, yeah, I totally get that where it's like, I'm, um, nah, no, no, thanks. And I think that's a good response. En-
0: I don't have the energy for yeah. you right now. Yeah.
1: No. Uh, it's interesting when you talk about the, like. Your logical brain versus the OCD brain. Mm -hmm. What's interesting, you mentioned it in what you were saying too. It I think what differentiates, I think that the you can always access rationality. It's Mm -hmm. the feelings though that change. Yeah. And sometimes there is this sense of urgency that comes with, you know, these thoughts. Sorry. Um there's sometimes this sense of urgency that comes with these thoughts that makes it more challenging to to drop compulsions. And yeah, does that make sense?
0: Make run that by me one more time. I, I lot you lost me up to be in the middle there for a second.
1: So when you say like OCD, but it's my logical mind versus mm-hmm. my OCD mind, I think generally speaking what people t- are talking about is not that their, their ability to access logic changes. Yeah. Right, logic is still there. You're I'm still, still there. aware of the logic. Yeah. It's that there's this feeling there now that the the sense of urgency, maybe an increased anxiety, that makes the choice not to engage in compulsions more difficult. Yeah, so it's not like it, it's not like there's a switch that goes off and you no longer have access to no, what makes sense there. to do. Yeah, it's just more.
0: The doubt takes over a little bit more.
1: Well, and the, the feeling, unless you're willing to feel that feeling, right. It's, it's going to push you to do behaviors that you don't want to do.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I've definitely been there and it just depends on, yeah, there's a variety of factors I've noticed depending on different situations, uh, where I'm more stressed out or just more and generally just anxious about everything, then, mm-hmm. yeah, then I know the, lo- I know the logical part's still there, but the logical part doesn't have as much power as yeah. as the OCD part does sometimes.
1: Well, yeah, I, yeah, Not as
0: often, but I, like I said, it's gotten a lot better yeah. and, uh, I'm very grateful for that. And that helps. And, you know, that's from doing, you know, being in therapy and yeah. challenging those thoughts and putting myself in uncomfortable situations yeah. multiple times uh, and doing so on a regular basis uh, keeps those uh compulsions in check and kind of makes me realize how much I I'm trying to explain this. basically makes it so it's easier for me to resist the compulsions. The more I put myself in those uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. where I'm like, Oh, this isn't even that, this isn't even that bad anymore because I've done it so many times.
1: Well, and yeah, I think that's where you get better at having the experience. You get better at facing the discomfort. It's just like, oh, yeah, I've done this before. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. And it is. It's There's a, there's an empowerment that comes with that.
0: Yeah. And there's been a couple times where my therapist has suggested that I do certain things for, you know, as exposures and to challenge me. And I remember early on and I was just like, No.
1: I'm not. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> not ready for that.
0: Don't like that idea at all. Yeah. What else you got?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: not ready for that yet.
1: I will say that's one of the things that I love about act is like the the focus is really on exposures that serve the kind of life that you want to live. So there's a lot of inherent motivation. To do them. If you have like pedophile themed obsessions where you're like, oh my gosh, what if I want to hurt a child? Mm-hmm. And you happen to have a niece or a nephew that you want to be spending more time with, then spending time with them is something that comes, it, it may be really scary. And at the same token, it, it, it brings with it this, you know what, that's the life I want to live, though. This is the thing that this disorder has taken from me so screw that like i'm gonna do the thing and as opposed to sometimes i think the more arbitrary like let's just do this exposure people are like why would i want to do that (laughs) sounds like a horrible idea
0: (laughs) yeah yeah in that yeah in that sense like people like yeah um using that example like yeah it's like yeah, nieces or nephews, or if you want to have kids someday, like uh, I've had, th- I've been in that subtype before. Yeah, a- And it's the scariest one I've ever had to deal with. Yeah. And I was, and for a while, I was like, I'm not going to have kids because I can't deal with it. Like, I, I don't want to have to deal with this every day and, you know, be scared that I'm going to hurt some, some kid or something or my yeah. kid. And so I was like, well, if that kids are out, that's not happening but now i've changed and you know realized because i didn't know what the heck was going on i didn't know it was uh it was an ocd thing really until you know i talked to more people about it i actually used um i you know looked online and um i think i i looked on um because i've known about no cd for a long time since like its Mm -hmm. inception uh the founder, uh Stephen, I can remember his last Stephen name, Smith. Stephen Smith uh reached out to me or I reached out to him, I can't remember, a long time ago when I was blogging mm-hmm. and uh I did a blog post about no C D before they were doing therapy, but when it was just the app mm-hmm. it was just a community. And I remember looking on the on the forums that they have on the community and like I was like, Oh, a lot of other people deal with this. Yeah, and but they it's not like open in public because, you know, it's uh, like taboo and it's yeah just, like, and even until like the last year, I think Jenna was the first person to get me to talk about it because I was scared to talk about it with anyone and mm. publicly because it's like, I don't want somebody taking this the wrong way and thinking, Oh, this guy, I can't have this guy around my kid. It's like, no, really. If anything, yeah. I'm like extremely cautious and, Yeah, not as much anymore. And I'll like purposely put myself in situations uh, where I'll say like hi to someone's kid that I see like just just as an exposure on its own. Like on purpose, like even though I haven't really been struggling with it that much lately, uh, I'll still do it just because of just in case like that starts creeping up on me again. I am ready or it won't creep up on me because I'm actively doing damage control. I get for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and that's the subtype that really took me. That's when I started using drugs heavily. That's when I started mm. like drinking a lot because yeah. I was like, I'm this terrible person and because and I didn't know. Um, yeah. And I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with this. Um. I was suicidal for a while and mm. yeah, so it's, it's scary. Uh, and there's other, and the harm OCD can be very, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of subtypes of OCD that are, they're, it's all scary. Uh, and it can all be very scary, but that's the one where it's just like, where it's harder to talk about, I think, because mm. people
1: might uh, misunderstand.
0: People might misunderstand what you're really talking about, you know, like you're like, yeah, like you're having these thoughts. So that makes you a bad person. And that's like, you know, you're that's that was my initial thought, like, oh, you're Mm -hmm. having these thoughts. So you're a bad person or you believe these thoughts or this is somehow something you want, but it's not. So and I've realized that, but it took me a while to get there.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that the reality is that in treatment, most people will go, but what if it's not OCD? And what if I actually do like these thoughts, right? Which is I think, really important to acknowledge because and there's uncertainty that most people find themselves having to accept around that too. And if that makes sense, I don't know if that's part of your experience. But I I agree. Like I think from an outsider's perspective, uh, hopefully more and more people are understanding that. Yeah. having thoughts is not indicative of who you are uh or what yeah. what actions you would take
0: um well yeah i used to have thoughts when i was younger that i was somehow going to cause a terrorist attack in my head with right like, yeah like obviously yeah. i didn't want that to happen and i could easily explain that to somebody they're like oh yeah i yeah i don't i don't see you being a terrorist yeah
1: right you know although but it is interesting because i think there are a lot of different subtypes that can be misunderstood and Mm -hmm. like postpartum ocd yeah that's a
0: new one i've learned about i learned that learned about that one from jenna jenna's getting a lot of shout outs on this one
1: yeah yo jenna yeah
0: um
1: but yeah i I think postpartum i also think that each subtype and look they're all ocd right like we, we we group them into subtypes because it's helpful for people to be able to recognize their own experience in somebody else and feel a little less alone. But I look at things like sexual orientation, OCD or relationship Mm -hmm. OCD and those things about
0: that. And that's a new one for me that I've been working on. Yeah. Personally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think there's this tendency talking about that with other people who aren't in the OCD community that people think, Oh, well you're having doubt. We should definitely talk about this, we should try to figure this out. And so while it's not necessarily problematic in the same way, like it might be misunderstood with POCD or harm OCD, all of that PPOCD postpartum. Um, but it's also problematic, because people still don't understand that, that trying to answer the question is not in anyone's best interest. Do you know, like, some people be like, oh, you're doubting your sexual orientation? Well, may- like, maybe you're not gay or maybe you're not bi or maybe Uh, you know like whatever the thing is and it's like that's not what the person needs the person needs to say like you know what we're not gonna try and figure that out and same with relationship OCD but um so there's all of these different pitfalls that come with a lack of understanding from the general community about, about OCD um all sorts of ways that it can be mishandled as a result of that and that's we see that often in terms of people with OCD in talk therapy going over and over and over the same information with their clinicians um, who are, you know, potentially very well-intentioned people just don't understand how it works. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the clinicians. So I think you know, it was interesting too. one of the things that you said about uh, continuing with exposures, I think is really important. And I, I kind of see it. I see everything through my own lens, obviously. How mm-hmm. else would I see it? Yeah. But uh, the the values piece, I think, comes into play, too, is, you know, I think sometimes people say, oh, I, I want to keep doing exposures so that I don't get anxious again. Right. Or that mm. I don't have thoughts. And From my vantage point, it's much more interesting. Like, let's continue to do exposures because that's the kind of person that you want to be. I imagine, knowing you, what little I do, that, like, you care about being a friendly person. Like, that that's something that you'd like to to embody. It's like kindness.
0: Yeah.
1: And that one reflection of that is saying hello to children when you walk by them, right? Like, oh, hi. Acknowledging.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And smiling and, and all of that. So yeah, it's an exposure, which also like supports you and just sort of, you know, facing the things that cause you anxiety and learning and, and practicing, back to practicing, practicing mm-hmm. dealing with it differently. Um, but it's more because that's the human you want to be than it is about trying to ward off potential anxiety.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I don't look at it that way necessarily when I'm doing it, I, but I go out of my way to do it on mm. purpose mm. for a variety of reasons. Uh, but yeah, one, just because I like being a nice person. Um, yeah. And sometimes, yeah. you know, I, I'll i say hi to a kid and they're just like, they're just basically like, I don't give, I don't care.
1: Yeah. Like, they're like stone faced. They're like, I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah,
0: I forget their kids and they don't give it. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. They're like, yeah.
1: Nah. yeah yeah Yeah.
0: or like when I was trying to have conversations with uh with my cousins uh they've got as they've gotten older we've had better conversations but I remember when they were like 13 14 15 and they were just like I couldn't have a conversation because they were just like this all the time yeah always always on the the phones always on the phones and I'm just like so uh I remember like the last comp conversation one of the last conversations where i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to him about because it was i was just getting on tiktok and i didn't, and i was like i kind of know how tiktok works but just to start a conversation i was like so what do you think i should do on tiktok or like how, how should i approach tiktok i know you guys have been on tiktok for a while and and uh that kind of got a conversation going but still i still got pretty stonewalled on that <laughs> one as well um, but- it happens yeah so it's like realizing that and then and at first like i'd have conversations with with people and be and i'd be like oh they they don't like me or they think i'm weird or they think i'm creepy and you know mm. that was that was the that was the ocd part of my brain going oh you bet yeah you're you are a weirdo or you're you know they they know that you're this monster and mm. you know those type of thoughts and i think what my ocd did cuz over time cuz like i said i didn't always have these type of uh thoughts it kind of hit me when i was in my early 20s and i've been dealing with ocd since i was in my teens so uh i think what my ocd did because it's always i Kind of treat it like a demon And it went away Um, It's kind of a dark way to put it But um, Mm. that's kind of how I see it And uh, It chose the worst thing it could uh, In my opinion To uh, To start um, Challenging me on Mm. And uh, And for a while It was winning uh, That challenge yeah. I was just like, I'm going to stay away from, I'm just going to stay away from kids. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to, I'm just going to avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. And yeah. Then I was like, you know what? I'm, I can't, I, I'm not, I want to live. I want to deal with this. And I, that's when I started doing ERP and really learning about it and realizing that, you know, I, I'm not this terrible person and I worked on it and it's something I continue to work on today. But like I said, just until less over this last year, I would not tell anyone about that.
1: Yeah. Well good for you for being open about it. I know that it's really helpful for people to know that they're not alone. And that's
0: the only reason I'm doing it. That's the main reason I'm doing it is because uh it's helpful for me to talk about it. Uh but at the same time like oh man, somebody's going to hear this and they're not going to understand it, but for the people that do understand like oh, I've had these thoughts and I feel like that's why I'm talking about it because
1: yeah.
0: Um Cause I know I was, I felt like I was the only one that had these type of thoughts or that, that I, no one else was going through it and I didn't know who to talk to about it. And yeah. I just felt stuck for a long time and I'm glad I'm not in that place anymore. And I'm at a place where I can be like, Hey, you know what? This is not me. This goes against all of my values, all of these thoughts and obsessions. And it's, you know, the reason why I see stuff about OCD and, you know, the benefits of OCD and, or or people talking about, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so OCD about this. And yeah that's why it frustrates me when I hear stuff like that. People think, people might think, oh, he's just getting triggered by that. No, because I know how serious this can be and how debilitating it can be. And sure cri- almost crippling to some people and that's why i've been more open about it because i know it's i don't want other people to feel like they're alone dealing with it
1: yeah yeah no i i really appreciate that and that's i'm Think that's why all of us should and Jenna a- inspired
0: and Jenna helped inspire me to do that because she shares about hers, like just she just throws it all out there. I'm just like, the first time I talked to her, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm like, you are, and I didn't judge her at all because I was like, I get it, I totally get everything you're saying because yeah. I have it too. I have OCD too, and I don't totally get it. And she was just so open about it. And the more people that can do that and the more people that are open about their experiences with OCD and what they've struggled with and how they've you know been able to live with it and battle it and continue to get better over time is awesome and something more people want to want to hear about. and I'm glad to share about it now, but it's still in the back of my mind, like, oh man, you just shared way too much stuff. <laughs> but
1: yeah, I mean, that's I, I I hear you. I think that that that's what you know. Again, through my own lens, but this is what like living out your values is. You want to be a supportive person in this community. You speak out about like what your experience is to help people feel less alone, and part of that involves taking on a substantial amount of anxiety about other people misunderstanding and, and that that's the price you pay for being the kind of person that you want to be. And that's like accepting that anxiety is probably what's going to lead you to live a more fulfilling, meaningful life. And I know that that's been true for me as well. Like you know, speaking out, sharing about my own experience to like a limited degree, I think as a clinician um, and everyone's different. A
0: different, Yeah,
1: it is. I like, I, I don't necessarily talk about everything that's going on because I, I don't want it to come up in the room and I don't want it. I never want it to be about me. Right. Um, that makes sense. So, But I think having, having an openness has always been, it's been important to me and helping other people know that they're not alone that there is support it, it yeah, it but it doesn't it's not without its drawbacks, right, and people don't understand, and then they're like angry trolls and stuff like that, you know, like
0: I've seen the trolls, uh, they're fun, they're, yeah,
1: yeah, but you know, like it's like i I would take that time and time again because that is worth it for me to show up in the way that I want to show up and be the kind of person that I want to be,
0: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I will uh, gladly deal with the trolls or the haters or whatever you want to call it. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm past that. I'm not worried about that anymore.
1: No, no.
0: Not to say that it won't like affect me a little bit, but it, I'm not invincible. Uh, Yeah. I still have feelings and, uh, but at the same time, I know that people that come after people are usually in a really bad place.
1: For sure. But that's what a ERP is, right? It's, like, it's going into something knowing that it's going to potentially cause you pain. Like you're not going into it. It's okay if it impacts you because you're a human, right? Mm-hmm. And people saying unkind things about us as humans is generally a challenging experience. It's not about not feeling the thing. It's, you know, courage is showing up even even when it is hurtful and saying, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway, even though it is hurtful and uncomfortable. Like, do you know? I don't know.
0: This is only my second time talking about it on the podcast, on a podcast. I've never talked about it on my podcast. I talked about it on Jenna's podcast. So some of my friends are going to hear this and they'll be like, they're going to learn something that they didn't know. So Mm -hmm. my closer friends know about it and I've talked to them about it, but. Uh, some of my other friends are going to be like, Oh, I didn't realize it was that that was a big issue for you. Like, well, it is. And, and, uh, it's not as big of an issue anymore, but it's something like that, you know, OCD is always there for me and it will morph and change into different things. You know, I deal with uh, a little bit of the Harm OCD and contamination OCD. I've always dealt with that on and off. That's kind of where things started. And uh, that likes to peek its head up up every once in a while and kind of remind me that it's still there. And uh, yeah. so I deal with that as well. But it's kind of um, organized chaos right now for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I keep myself. That's another thing that I like to tell other people uh, is, you know, not to overwhelm yourself, but stay, me staying busy and having things to do and look forward to really help me stay in a good mindset where I can deal with those difficult situations a little bit better, if that makes sense.
1: Sure. So. Yeah. I mean, being engaged in your life is what we want, right? Like yeah. that's why people come to treatment is because they're not they're not doing what matters to them. So getting out and yeah, like that's going to support you in accepting feelings and disengaging from compulsions and all of that if you have commitments, if you have things that that matter to you, for sure. For sure. I mean, I don't again, it's like I I don't think of it as let's try to avoid the thoughts or the feelings or any of that. It's just live your life, you know? And and that. And then in that, um, you know, you're going to be presented with all of these these challenges that you're gonna better learn how to cope with.
0: Yeah. Avo- avoidance yeah. is uh yeah, it's just only gonna make things worse in the long run. The more you mm. the longer you avoid it, the more it builds up in the background
1: well yourself. and you're not living your life like you're you're yeah. completely and like we only get the one to our knowledge as of right now so yeah you know that's the thing everyone thinks i not everyone but a lot of people talk about well i don't want to continue to do compulsions because it keeps me stuck in the cycle mm. and i get that yes yeah. of course it it become like you become more and more dependent you almost become a slave to these behaviors yep. because and it and it seems more and more important to perform them. But the real, the real issue with compulsions is that they detract from your life. They Mm -hmm. keep you from being present to the things that matter to you, right? Like if I'm, if I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to phrase a question so that I can seek reassurance from someone, I'm not present to the conversation that I'm having with them. Yeah. Right. And my whole relationship with them is or not maybe my whole, but a lot of my relationship with them might be based on just trying to alleviate my anxiety. And that's crummy, right? Like that's not the kind of relationships that I want to have. That's it's empty and hollow. And, and in addition to that, you might spend tons of time ruminating Well, you're, you're completely in your head. You're not, you're not engaged with your life. You're off trying to figure out something that happened or whether or not something's true. And, uh, the the behavioral compulsions they prevent you from going out and and being among your friends or family. Right? They're, they're time consuming. They they stop you from from actively engaging in things that that matter and and likewise avoidance does the same thing. So, a um, yeah, behaviors are the problem. We think they're the solution, but they're the problem on every level.
0: Yeah, one thing I've noticed is the way I used to live my life was I was either living in the past or I was living in the future. I was never really focused on the present Mm -hmm. and what was going on right now. I was always worried about what was going to happen or worried about something that did happen. And I Mm -hmm. was the present. I was just like coasting. I was there, but I wasn't really living the way I wanted into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you weren't there, right? Like you were there physically, but you weren't there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to do this. As you know, I'm going to like, let you know, I, because of my back surgery, I can't sit for very, (laughs) I can't like, I'm actually, I've got this uh, special armchair. You can see in the background that I see clients from reclined because I'm not supposed to (laughs) sit at a, like a 90 degree angle. Um, for too long, apparently. It's no, it's good.
0: fine. I try to keep the episodes around like an hour ish anyway, because okay, uh, people's attention spans and I am people, uh, yeah, don't, me too. I <laughs> don't want to listen to podcasts for that long unless they're on like a road trip. That but I don't have yeah. a road trip audience right now, so Fair. um, yeah, most of the episodes I try to keep like right around an hour, and I'm also not like you know, one of those big podcasters. I'm not like Rogan where I can just talk for three hours and people are. Gonna listen.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Me either.
0: Yeah. I know Rogan's yeah. a hot, but hot button person to bring up. Some people don't like him, but I it's, I'm just, that's an example. Cause he's like, no, a, for a, sure. po- he's a podcaster. That's been doing this for a long time.
1: And he's got quite the following. And yeah, he could
0: just, some of his episodes are like three hours long. And I've, I don't think I've ever listened to a full episode. Like, I'm just like, yeah. who has time to listen to three hours? Some are four or five. It's like, yeah, wow, yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, but is. No, I, li- I like to keep it around an hour, hour and a half at the most and yeah. cut it off because it's like, at that point, it's just like, you kind of lose listeners or lose their attention.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: But, uh, yeah, I'm really glad we finally got a chance to talk. And I definitely learned a lot. I'll probably be asking you random questions about what we talked about once I go through and listen to this. Uh, And also, um, yeah, I need to figure out your mic setup. I need to figure out that. that. (laughs) Cause yeah. I, I've been struggling with that for a little bit and I've tried different stuff and it hasn't worked. So
1: that's it. Saramonic. Yeah. Smart, smart rig too.
0: Yeah. I need to figure that. I need to definitely get that. So probably yeah. it was probably an Amazon purchase or something.
1: Yeah. Yep. It was, I think yep. it was yep. a while ago. So, but yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on too. It was so good to, to talk and, and thanks for, being so open to about your own experience. Like I said, I think that it's so important that people know that they're not alone. So
0: yeah, um, thank you for the different uh, therapy methods that I hadn't heard about. And that I know a lot of people will appreciate that information. So I like to be a little, give a little education on the podcast as well. So I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
0: Well, I will let you go and t- you need to take care of yourself. I appreciate you taking the time for me today and we'll talk to you. Of soon, course. Okay?
1: Yeah, sounds great. And yeah, sorry. I, I it's annoying. No I, need to no I'm no like need an to old apologize. I'm an old lady right now. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no
0: need to apologize. I totally get it.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um take care of yourself. I'm I'm sorry with everything going on, but I, I hope that there's lots of room for healing in the coming weeks and
0: oh yeah of course and i'm gonna keep doing episodes because he not only was a guest he was uh also an avid listener i found that out he listened to every single episode so he wouldn't Mm -hmm. want me to stop so rest in peace brad hand we miss you buddy no for sure not all right well take
1: care i appreciate it all right thanks you too take care Bye. bye